0: Today is Palm Sunday, as we've said. I wish Bruce and I had uh, communicated. I could have worn my palm tree type shirt uh, today as well, uh, but I uh, didn't think of that. So, um, but it is Palm Sunday, and it's a, a time where we remember uh, what Jesus uh, did for us. It's this, the start of the Holy Week, uh, which what happened on Palm Sunday. This is when Jesus is also referred to as the triumphal entry. Um, and so in, in, I'm going to read the account of it from Mark. In Mark chapter 11, it says this. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two, his, two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others uh, spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at it, everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And I love this story. Um, in fact, in this story is probably one of my personal favorite miracles that Jesus did. Um, you're like, wait a second, miracle? Where did I see, where was the miracle there? Um, did you hear this part? There's a donk, there's a colt, in other accounts, it's the colt of a donkey that has never been ridden on. No one has ever sat on this thing. Um, and so Jesus chooses this animal as his mode of transportation that he's riding into Jerusalem on uh, on this holy day as this huge fanfare is happening, as all of these people are worshiping. And Jesus is riding on a colt of a donkey that's never been sat on before. And so if that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. Um, but so that you have this whole scene. You have this amazing time. Where the people are all coming out and they're screaming Hosanna and they're praising God and they're, they're saying uh, he is coming. Uh, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. And these people are ready. They're ready for Jesus to come and to, to bring in the prophecies, to bring in all the things that have been promised. And that's what they're looking forward to. And uh, in other passages, we really, we, other accounts of this, we really see that they were looking for this kind of um, kingdom of, of David to come and we know now looking back hindsight's 2020 that that was ultimately what was happening but what they were thinking was happening was a little different most likely they're thinking oh boy, we're seeing the prophecies fulfilled. He's coming into town. We've heard about all all of the miracles he's done. We've heard about all the things he can do. I mean, did you know this guy can walk on water? Like, come on, he's awesome. He's riding into town, he's fulfilling the prophecy and they're praising and it's just crazy. They're cutting palm branches. They're throwing them on the ground, taking off their coats, throwing them on the ground. uh, And this little colt of a donkey is riding on and it's just going crazy. Another place, some people tell Jesus, hey, tell him to stop worshiping you. He says, hey, if they stop, the rocks are going to start. Um, and it's just this huge worship service. And it's just an incredible emotional time where they are just praising God. And they're worshiping Jesus. But we have to think that maybe they were misunderstanding what they were worshiping. Because it's debatable, but most likely these are some of the same people that would have still been in town on Friday. And on Friday, instead of the mass crowd screaming, Hosanna and worshiping Jesus, they're saying, Crucify Him, crucify Him. And so, what takes someone from a place of this emotional high of saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, we're praising Jesus, we're worshiping Him, to the point? Of saying, crucify him. Cause you see what happened was these these people as, as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, which was their capital city, and he's coming in and he's fulfilling prophecy as he's doing it, and they're thinking, Oh, he's gonna come in and he's gonna overthrow the Romans. He's gonna kick them out, he's gonna reinstitute David's kingdom, he's gonna reset up David's throne, and we're gonna ha- we're gonna be a mighty world power again. But instead, what Jesus did was he rode into town, he went into the temple, he looked around, and he left. He came back the next day, and he started turning over tables and running out the religious leaders. Instead of taking a a political throne, he's focused on cleaning up their worship. And he goes on from there, and throughout the week, he's, he's teaching and he's teaching them these deeper things, these really in-depth things that, that are kind of hard to understand. And he's talking in parables. And, and so the people probably were sitting there saying, like, what, what happened? You're, you're supposed to be setting up David's throne, and you're sitting here talking about this parable. What? I don't understand. And you see these people, they lacked depth. They were all in for the emotional high. They were all excited for the Palm Sunday. Rah, rah, here we go. Yes, yay, yay, yay. But then when Jesus started boiling it down to what it was really about, it ended up at the end of the week with him alone on a cross. A few of his followers down around his feet. And... It's easy for us to look at these people and say, man, they just didn't get it. They missed out. But it's also easy for us to be in that same boat. And today we're in Hebrews uh, chapter 5, continuing in our our series through Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 5, the author here is dealing with this same kind of issue. The same kind of issue of, of people that... Maybe they've had that emotional experience. Maybe they've had that rah-rah high moment. But from that point, there hasn't been any maturity. There hasn't been any growth in their life. They aren't moving on and growing up in Christ. They're not understanding the deeper things. And so that's what the author of Hebrews is talking to us about today. I'll be starting in Hebrews 5, starting in verse 11, and we're going to go through chapter 6, verse 3. He says, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and this we will do if God permits and so this is a this is a heavier passage um, you know if, if you if you came to Palm Sunday today thinking rah rah uh, then <laughs> Maybe go on your feed to another church somewhere, because uh, they might have rah-rah today. Um, but yeah, this is heavier. This is, this is deep stuff, uh, where he's, he's really calling us out. And this is one of those kind of passages that, if we're honest, we really need. We need to hear this in our lives, these challenges to, to say, basically, he's saying in a nutshell, grow up. It's time to grow up. Stop, stop being a child. Stop living on milk. Grow up. Now, if you're, if you're following, if you were just reading Hebrews through, uh, straight through, um, you would notice a really, this, this passage is really a, a stark shift all of a sudden. Because uh, he's going through what we talked about last week, about Jesus and being a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Uh, and then again, later on um, in chapter 6 and in chapter 7, he's going to go right back to that same theme. But here, all of a sudden, he just interrupts himself. He says, about this we have much to say, talking about all of that, that he's going to come back to later. But um, you have become dull of hearing. It's hard for you to understand it. You're not going to get it. And so it's this stark contrast where he just is really jumping in to address those who are his audience. Those who he is talking to about a real issue that's going on with them. Because he says in verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. And so he says here, here's what the goal is in the Christian life. The goal in the Christian life is for you to grow and mature. It's not for you to just stay like, well, I've got a relationship with Jesus, so I know I'm good for eternity. But beyond that, I don't know. No, the goal in your Christian life is to mature to the point where you're a teacher. Now, what does he mean by that? What he means by that, he's not saying that everyone, the goal for everyone is to be like what I'm doing right now. That's not the goal. Um, The goal for every believer is not to be um, a pastor teacher, um, maybe not even like a Sunday school teacher, small group leader, whatever. But the goal should be for every believer is to mature to the point where you're able to take the basic truth of God's Word, take it and read it, understand it, and apply it. And when you can do that for yourself, then you can do that for someone else. So that when you have a friend, a coworker that's asking, yeah, what about this? You can take it, and you can read it to them, and you can explain it and help them understand it. And that's the goal. That's that's what we're striving for as Christians is to be able to mature into that place where we're able to share the most important things with others. To be able to take this truth and share it with others and in a way that they can understand it, they can grasp it, and they can put it into their lives and God can use it there. And so that's what he's talking about when he's talking about growing to maturity in this place of being, you ought to be able to teach by this point. But instead, you're still needing milk. Um, Our staff, uh, we've been in our staff meetings working through um, a systematic theology book, and that sounds very, very boring. Um, But uh, it's been really good. Um, This last uh, Monday, uh, we were discussing the chapter we were on, and I was like, wow, this fits perfectly with uh, where our passage is going on Sunday. Um, But the chapter was on... Uh, the, the process of sanctification um, Now that's a theological word um, But what it means is this process From where when we first Become Christians, where we first placed our faith In Christ, when we first get that Milk that he's talking about here To where we, we Grow from that point And the process of sanctification is that growth By which we grow Over time and we grow into that place Of maturity where we're able to teach um, And and so uh, I've got a nice little whiteboard here that is debatable on whether you'll be able to see it on your screen. Uh, so watch intently as I move my hand so you can see what I'm drawing. Um, so let's, let's say this is, this is you. Okay, you're a little, you're a little crooked, okay? Um, but this is you, and you're living your life. Oh, we're dropping the light, so hopefully you can see it better. Okay, so you're living your life, going along, and then at one point in your life, You hear the gospel. You hear the truth about Jesus. And from that, you say, yes, this is the truth. Yes, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. I believe in you. I believe in what you did on the cross. I believe in your resurrection. And my life is yours. At that point, your life has changed. At that point before God, you're standing before God. You're declared righteous from then on. Jesus's righteousness has covered you from that point forward. And from that point past, when God looks at you in a legal sense, he sees Christ and Christ's righteousness. He has washed away your sins. He has taken all of that. But the reality, those of us know that have walked with Christ for a while, is after this point, we still continue to struggle. We still continue to struggle with sin. Because you see, this is where our life is, is at. And then here, up here, is the holiness of Christ. And our goal is we want our life to look like his, right? Because we're following him. So, so here's Jesus up here. We'll just make a little cross. Aren't you so impressed with my artistic abilities? Um, and so Jesus is up here. This is what his life is like. And then we're still down here. But our goal is we want to follow him. So we would like to think that maybe it was just like, like a chart like this where we go, boom, following Jesus. But the reality is we struggle, and that's just not the way it works. So well, maybe it's maybe it's just more like this, where we're at this point, and then we down here in time, at some point we reach up with him, like maybe when we die or when he comes back. Uh, But from this point to that point, we're just on this constant growth curve where we're becoming more like Christ. The thing is, that's not really how it works either. You see, the way it works is we have moments in our lives where we're really growing and maturing and becoming like him. And then we'll kind of plateau a little bit. And then maybe we'll even kind of start falling back into some things that we don't really like that much. And then the Holy Spirit will convict us of that, and we'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then we'll start growing again. And then maybe we'll plateau in another little dip. And over time, we slowly grow and grow and become more and more like Jesus until the point at which we die, our Christ comes back. And then at that point, we are ultimately glorified and we get to live with him forever. And our sin and our problem is all gone. And so as, as we continue through this kind of a, a graph in our life, I want to ask you, if where are you? Where are you on this chart? Maybe you're still down here. Maybe you haven't got to this point where you placed your faith in Christ yet. Or maybe, maybe you're on a really steep up growth curve right now, and you're growing and maturing, and that's awesome. Or maybe you've kind of plateaued right now, and you're kind of just like, you know, when I walk with the Lord, I'm kind of just hanging out. Not really maturing, not really falling into bad stuff, but just kind of here. Or maybe you've hit some temptations that, that you've fallen into, and you need to repent of that, and you need to turn, and you need to start growing again and growing closer to Him. And so that, this is what we call the process of sanctification. This is how God works in our life over time. This is is all done by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, alongside us, to draw us closer to Christ, to make us more like Christ. Now, this is what the author of Hebrews is saying needs to be happening with these people. But instead, instead of them growing to the point where they're able to teach... He's like, "Hey, you're still down here. You're still just hanging out right down here on this bottom line. Like there's no difference. For by this time you ought to be able to teach. You need someone to teach you. Again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food." Wow. Basically he's saying, "Hey, you're a baby." You're a baby. You need to grow up. And the debate is whether they're a baby that really has crossed this line where they really place their faith in Christ and they're just not growing, or if the fact is they haven't really placed their faith in Christ at all. Because he's telling them, hey, you still need to hear the basics, you still need to hear the essentials of the gospel. It's interesting uh, that over in 1 Corinthians, um, Paul uh, uses the same analogy. I can find it. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? And so Paul uses the same analogy of, hey, you're immature, you're a baby, you're needing milk, not solid food. You need to grow up. And he's dealing with this strife between in this church, between people are saying, hey, I'm following Paul, and people are saying, hey, I'm following Apollos. Now, one of the leading theories behind, for the, the author of Hebrews today is this guy Apollos. So how interesting is it that maybe, just maybe, Apollos was dealing with this same issue, and he and Paul are both telling these people, hey, you need to grow up. You need to mature. You need to move on. You need to get past the milk and move on to the meat. Stop being babies. So, how do we do that? He tells us here, once again. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. So what's he saying? If you want to get past milk, what you need is the word of God. You need the word of God in your life. That it's a key to move beyond milk and get to meat. You must become skilled in the word of God. His word is where the meat is found. This is where, where the nutrition is in the spiritual life. This is how you grow. This is how you mature. And that's why, as, as we teach here at Potter's House, we go systematically through it. We don't just jump around to, to exciting verses and leave out these hard ones. But no, we need these hard verses. We need all of it because it's the meat. It's the reality of what we need in our life. And so to become mature, become mature in Christ, we need this. We need this meat in our life, and we need to grow. To move beyond milk and get to meat, we must become skilled in the word of God. He goes on. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So what do we see there? That this solid food is for mature. Who are those people? Those who have their powers of discernment. We must grow in discernment. We must grow in wisdom. How do you do that? You let His Word, His truth, inform your life. You let it change the way you think about things. You let it inform the way that you approach things. You let it, let it dig into your life and say, yeah, okay, that's something I need to work on. That's an area where maybe I'm dipping down in my life and I need to grow in maturity. You let his word speak to you in that. And it's trained by constant practice. Um, In in this day and age of uh, everything going digital, um, I've I've noticed uh, a big uptick on uh, a number of my friends who are really into physical fitness who are are doing uh, these online fitness classes, fitness plans, whatever, uh, where uh, they're still trying to, to prioritize that and make sure that they're practicing their physical um, maturity, their physical uh, things. And the same is true with our spiritual. To grow in spiritual matru- maturity, it, it requires constant practice. So what what you know you you'll have a workout plan for your physical. But maybe what's your spiritual workout plan? What's your, your spiritual process that, that by which you plan to grow to maturity? Um, are you just expecting this to be something that, oh, whoops, it just happened all of a sudden? Because if that's your plan, it's probably not going to work out that well. Because what he's telling us here is we have a role to play in this. We have a role to play in growing in spiritual maturity. And so, are you on that? Do you have that plan in your life? Are you living it out? Are you following it? That's how you grow in your life from the place um, of just being the emotional Palm Sunday, rah, rah, this is awesome person, to being the constant follower of Christ who's able to follow him through through the storms, through the hard things, through the heavy things of life, um, where you have that steadfastness. You get that in your life, you get that maturity through constant practice, through constant devotion, through being dedicated in those things. Now, every time in my life that I've ever taught on this, um, there's always one major objection that always comes up. That major objection is, yeah, I know I'm supposed to be doing those things, but I just don't have time. Well, we find ourselves in a pretty interesting time right now where I'm pretty sure most of us have a lot of time on our hands. Because if if maybe you've already cleaned off your DVR or PVR, whatever your company calls it, and you've watched everything on Netflix, then you probably have some time on your hands. I think you have time if if you're sitting there at your house and you're saying, man, I just don't have anything to do. There's plenty you can do. So what better way to use this time than to grow in spiritual maturity? Um, There are some great practices that Christians throughout time have have found to be very useful in this. Um, First, just reading the Bible. If, If you don't, currently read it daily, you should start. Um, now if you're, here's an error that I have made in the past when like, say, say for instance, I want to take on uh, physical training and working out. Right. Um, and so I go from like doing nothing, uh, to saying, okay, I'm going to do P90X. All right. So if you don't know what P90X is, it's basically an hour a day, intense workouts where you basically, uh, use every single muscle of your body and torture yourself. Um, and so I'll go from nothing to this extreme program, and I'll be good at the extreme program for like a week, two weeks, and I'm like, oh, this is just too much, i got to quit. And we can do the same when it comes to the Word of God and these spiritual things. If you're not used to spending time in God's Word and reading it, then maybe you should just start with, with reading a chapter a day. Or if a chapter is too much, maybe just start with a paragraph a day. Or maybe try this. If you're a Christian, just start and say, and pray when you start reading and say, Lord, I want to read until, until you show me something, until you speak to me. And it might be you're a couple of verses in and he's just illuminating something. You're like, okay, I need to stop there. I, need, I just need to, to let, let this work in my life right now. What I'm saying is don't, don't jump into the deep end if you haven't learned to swim in the shallow end. All right? And so start with just reading his word. If you don't know where to start, start with the book of John. It's a great place to start. Um, it's in the New Testament, fourth book in book of John. If you don't know how to find the books of the Bible, in the front of the Bible, uh, there is a little thing that lists the books and the page number. Um, if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, just go to the little scroll button at the top of your app in your phone and scroll to it. But the book of John would be a great place to start. But we need to move beyond just reading. We need to study it. We need to dig deeper into it. That's the kind of stuff that I do for all of my sermons where I'm really digging into this passage and like all of the different things behind it and, and reading other sources about it, reading other things about it, learning deeper things about it, really studying it. Another thing we need to do is we need to memorize it. We need to we need to put it to memory. You say, "Well, why is that such a big deal? Like we have the Bible everywhere, you know? Like I have five copies of this book around my house and then I have it on every device I have and then I can Google search any of it. And, uh, you know, why do I need to really memorize it today? Well, the, the reason that memorization is so important is because when you hide his word in your brain in that way where it is tucked away there, you'll be amazed at the times the Holy Spirit will take that and pull it out in your life and speak to exactly what's going on. He'll bring that verse to mind because you put it there. It's there for him to use as he needs to. So that's scripture. That's very important in our growing and maturing and in our, our spiritual workout plan. The next is prayer. Prayer is so important. As I said before, before you read, pray. Pray and ask God to speak to you through what you're reading. Because you see, prayer isn't just a method for us to, to give our request to God. But prayer is the method through which God aligns our hearts with His. He doesn't just hear from us, but he also guides us through our prayers. And that is so important in growing in maturity. Worship. Worship's so important. And that's why we're, we're still going to the effort of putting together live worship for you each Sunday. It's because we believe this is important. This is important to each of our souls that we're able to sing and worship and praise God together, even if it is virtually. The next one, witnessing, sharing the truth. This is, this is what, what he's getting at this passage, being able to teach, being, being growing and maturity to the point where you're able to share the truth with someone else that needs it. To take that truth and say, here's the truth. And if you want to to be challenged and you want to grow in your life, this is the best way to do it. Get with a non-believer, someone who doesn't know Christ, and start trying to explain these things to them. Because as they ask you questions, you're going to have to find the answers. You're going to have to dig, and you're going to have to mature in that. Next thing on your workout plan, Christian fellowship. Now, this one's hard right now because we can't really get together. So that's why, as a church, we are doing these these online gatherings. Um, and after uh, the service today, you can jump on Zoom uh, together. Uh, the link should be above on Facebook, below on uh, on YouTube. Uh, but you can jump on link on uh, on Zoom together and just say hi to each other uh, and catch up with each other. Uh, but yeah, we need that time of interacting with each other and building each other up. But it needs to get beyond just a. Hi, how are you? I'm good. But it's getting deeper on, no, really, how are you? How are you doing in your growth? How are you doing in your maturity? How are you doing in becoming more like Christ? How can I encourage you? How can I pour into you? How can you encourage me? How can you pour into me? And with that comes another area of accountability just maybe, maybe there's one thing in your life that is constantly the thing that you know is a downfall for you. is constantly a thing that's going to bring you back down and stop you from growing in the way that you should be growing. Who else do you have in your life that knows about that thing? Scripture tells us to confess our sins to one another. So who do you have in your life that you can confess to that you can say, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. And that person can pray for you on that and hold you accountable to that and check in on you and say, hey, how are you doing on that? Are you still falling into that? Are you still struggling with that? And that helps us grow in another area, which is self-discipline, self-control. And this is really a major key in this, is growing in that place where you're able to control yourself and, and being able to say, no, I'm not going to do that thing. No, I'm not going to fall into that. No, I'm not going to listen to that temptation. Yes, I am going to strive towards Christ. Yes, I am going to listen to the things he's telling me to do. You need to grow in that self-discipline and self-control. And lastly, an area of spiritual growth that's, that's really been major in my life, and this kind of goes with the whole fellowship thing as well, but even more specifically, having a mentorship kind of role where there's someone else who's further along this journey that you can look to, that you can ask for advice from, that you can learn from. You can see the way that they handle things. You're close enough in your lives where you can watch them. And, and it's not like some kind of creepy stalker thing, but you can see, oh, that's how they dealt with someone saying that to them. They didn't blow up and get angry over it, but they responded with grace and humility. Um, maybe that's what I need in my life. And so that's a very important part of growing as well, is having somebody that who's a little ahead of you that you can look to so that you can grow in your life. So when we are practicing, then we learn to distinguish good from evil and act accordingly. That's what he said there at the end of verse 14. The practice is to distinguish good from evil. Now, he's not wanting us to just be able to cognitively say, good, evil, right, wrong, God's way, not God's way. Okay, now I'm going to do whatever I want. No, it's so that we can actually discern that in our lives and live based on that, act based on that, walk according to that. Now, in this whole process, as I've already said, there's kind of two components at play. And we can fall into an error on two sides of this thing. We can fall into the error of saying, this is all about me. This is all my job to do. You see, he's telling us here that we need to do this, right? We need to grow to maturity. We need to get past the milk and move to the meat. And so we can say, okay, he's telling us that I need to do this. So this is about me. This is all about my striving and my growing and doing this. that's one side. The other side is to say, well, this is all really about God. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he grows me and matures me and he carries me along in this process. And so I kind of just have to sit back and, you know, Jesus take the wheel because he's going to take the wheel and he's going to drive this thing where he's going to go. And I don't really have to work any of it. But the truth is, is that it's a hand in hand cooperative effort. Where, yes, God is the one who works in us. And yes, he is the one that makes all of this possible. All of this is possible by his grace. What we see down in verse 3 is that, and, in, and this we will do if God permits. God is in control over this. The author of Hebrews isn't saying he's not. But as God is in control, what, the way that he works is he brings that meat into our lives and he changes our lives through that. And then that is an active part on our side. And so the two have to go together. It's not just one where it's all about me striving to do this. And it's not just about, oh, God's going to carry me up this this path. But it's the two are together, working together, where God is bringing maturity, where God is growing us. And he does that through us practicing these things, through us being devoted to him and listening to him. Chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. And so he's saying right here, he's saying, hey, we have a role to play in this. Let's leave. Let's move. Let's go on. Let's grow up. Let's move forward. Let's stop staying in the same place. There is growth to happen. There is good things to happen. Let's do this. But the reality is, he knew that they still needed the basics. So, what are the basics? He says here, this is the foundation. This is the starting point where we start all of this. But laying in a foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith towards God. Repentance from saying, I'm trying to do this on my own. Where I can get right with God on my own. I can be good enough on my own. Turning from that and turning towards faith in God. Faith in the fact of what Jesus did for us. Faith in what Jesus did on the cross. What we're celebrating this time of year in Easter. The fact that not only did Good Friday happen where he died on the cross, but Easter Sunday happened where he rose again. So we have faith in that. Instruction about washings. Uh, Most likely what he's talking about there is one of two things. He's either talking about these Jewish ceremonial washings um, that the Jewish people would have still been wrestling with. uh, How do we incorporate this into life with Jesus, um, which would have been a very elementary kind of thing for them to argue about. Or the other thing he could be talking about here is baptism. And saying, you know, yes, that's something that happens right at the beginning, if you have started your life in Christ, but you've not followed him in baptism, you haven't let the world know that, hey, I'm with Jesus and he has washed me clean, then you need to do that. And you don't even have to wait for COVID to be over. Call me. I'll come do it in your bathtub. Like, it won't be creepy or anything. Like, um, we'll figure out a way to baptize you, okay? Um, if that's what you need in your spiritual life is to lay that foundation and move forward. next, he says, laying on of hands. What was that associated with? That was associated in this time in the early church with the power of the Holy Spirit moving into someone's life. We get the Holy Spirit when we place our faith in Christ, and he's the one that guides us in this whole thing. So if you're still arguing, debating about the Holy Spirit and everything, that's still down here. We need to move on from that. That's a foundational issue. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. That's what we know is going to happen at the end. This is a fact, that we will rise from the dead. And those who are in Christ Jesus will be forgiven. They will be said, welcome, come in, you're mine. For those who are not in Christ Jesus, there will be judgment. These are the basics. These are the elementary facts. And what he's telling these people is he's saying, hey, you've heard this stuff for so long. You should know this by now. But you don't have it real in your life because I don't see this happening. You're not growing. You're not maturing. You're still stuck down here, and you need to grow up. So maybe that means that you don't have faith yet. Maybe you've never really given your life to Christ. And as we've said, Hebrews is a sermon. It's written as as a sermon. And I know this struggle because there's a struggle in every message that I preach to know where you are in this journey. Because on the same Sunday, the same message, I've got somebody here that they need the meat, right? Like they're up here, they're mature, and they need to mature more, and they need to grow more. And so they need the deeper things of God's word. They need that in their life. That's what they need. We have other people that are still down here that have never placed their faith in Christ. So they need the milk. Nothing in any of this that is saying is saying the milk is unimportant. The milk is very important. If you have a baby and you just all of a sudden say, well, I'm kind of tired of uh, this whole milk thing, um, baby. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're jumping over to steak. Um, so no more milk for you. You just need steak now. Good luck. Um, I'm not going to you know, mama bird it to you or anything. I'm just giving you a lump of steak and good luck. Uh, hope, hope you make it, baby. Um, no, and the same is true in our spiritual life. We need milk. Milk is very important but we need to grow from milk into meat. And so, so yes, on, in the same message, I'm trying to give some people milk and some people meat and some people the milk meat in between where they're getting a little bit of both. And, and it's a challenge. And so I get what he's, what he's saying here as he's challenging these people. And the beautiful thing is, as we, that's, that's why we get to use God's word. Because his word is so powerful that it, in the same passage that I read, if you're needing milk, his spirit can bring milk to you. And if you're needing meat, his spirit can bring meat to you from that very same verse. I'll constantly have people um, come up to me after a sermon or whatever. Hey, hey, you remember when you made this point? I'm like, no, no, I don't remember that. And it wasn't because that person wasn't listening. And it wasn't because I don't remember what I say which that might be part of it too. Um, But more so, I think what it is, is that's the power of the Holy Spirit, where that was what that person really needed in their life to hear in that moment for the Holy Spirit to make that part really alive to them and make that point clear to them. And so he does that. And that's what we see in verse three. And this we will do if God permits. We're gonna grow up. We're going to mature. This is the trajectory for everyone who's genuinely a Christian. God's not going to leave you in a place where you're you're just not growing, where there's no change in your life. So if you think that you've been a Christian for a very long time and there is no change in your life, then I highly encourage you to go back and look at that moment and say, have you genuinely placed your faith in Christ? Is there a genuine change in your life? Because if there's not, then you you need that milk. You need it. And you need to have that foundation. But as you walk with Christ, there are going to be ups and downs. Just being honest, there's going to be the valleys. You're going to go through tough times. You're going to fall into things. I'm not saying that you're not. But the important thing is is that the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you there. And the Holy Spirit convicts you of those things and brings you back out of those things and brings you back to growth. You see, God works in us to bring us along our path of growth. And so, in response to this, once again, I think there's probably about three groups of you out there as far as how you respond to this truth. Group one would say, I need the foundation. I need the faith and repentance in Christ. I need to be saved. I need to be changed. If that is you, what are you waiting on? Give your life to Jesus today. Shout Hosanna, praise him, and say, you are Lord. I'm turning from this life that I'm doing on my own and I'm giving it over to you for you to be the one in control. I submit to you and I submit to your will in my life. So group two would be a group That they they know they have that foundation, but instead of their life looking like this, their life is kind of hanging out down here. And the message for them today in this is, you need to grow to the maturity. You need to grow to the point where you're ready to teach others. And so so what do you need to do for that? What, What do you need to do to grow from milk to meat? And if that's you, I encourage you, reach out to me. If you're in the first group, reach out to me. You can message our page on here and I'll get it. But you can reach out to me and say, hey, I need meat. And well, maybe say, I need spiritual meat. Because if you just send us a, a message saying, I need meat, and this time we might think you need physical meat. If you need that too, let us know. We'll see what we can do to help you. Um, but so send me a message saying, I need spiritual meat. I need to grow. I need to mature in my life. And I'll talk with you and we see, okay, where are you? And what would be a next step for you? Our group three would be a group that says, you know, Wayne, I've been eating meat for a long time. Like, I, I know God's word. I have set practices in my life where I, I, I get his word into my life, and it's, it's a genuine part of who I am. And I, I know it. It's so important to me. It's so genuine to me. It's so real to me. But maybe the question for you right now in this time is: what are you doing with it? Are you teaching? We have a world that's very alert to spiritual things right now. And they need to hear from the body of Christ. And so, as the body of Christ, are you taking this truth and sharing it with others? Are you taking this truth and saying, here it is, here's the truth, here's what I believe. Here's how it's worked out in my life. Here's what I've seen God do in my life because of this truth of his word. So for the mature believer who's eaten the meat, who knows how to digest it, are you helping others? Are you using it to to move forward the kingdom, to share his truth, to share his gospel? Because that's what we need in this time. That's what we need in these days are God's people doing God's work and letting his Holy Spirit work through it. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. We do shout Hosanna. We do praise you. We thank you that when you came in, you had a better plan than what those people had. We thank you that as Jesus rode in on that donkey, he knew that he wasn't riding in to to overthrow Romans, but instead he was riding in to overthrow sin and death and that he did that on our behalf. He didn't just conquer the worldly leader at the time. He conquered the world for all of time. And he did that through laying down his life and being a sacrifice for us. So as we go through Holy Week uh, this week, Lord, I just pray that you'll remind us of that. Each day, I pray that you'll just be a reminder to us of, of who you are and what you've done for us. For the sacrifice of Jesus, for the price he paid on the cross. Lord, I just pray that you will keep that before us. As we gather to pray on Wednesday night, Lord, bring us together in a way that we can fellowship with one another but lift things up before you. As we come together on Thursday night to observe the Lord's Supper and worship you for who you are and the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us, Lord, be with us even though we won't be in the same place. Lord, as we come back together again digitally for Easter Sunday, Lord, let us just be able to focus in on the real meaning of Easter, let us be able to focus in on you and what you've done for us. Lord, let us share that truth with others who need it. Lord, as as our services are out on the internet now for all to see, Lord, bring people to us, bring people in who need to hear the truth, who need um, to have the milk in their life. Lord, help us to be able to give them the milk. Lord, help us also, those of us who are followers of you, to to continue to strive for the meat and continue to strive for growth in our life and growing and maturing in you. Lord, we thank you for who you are and for all that you do for us. Lift all of this up in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.